When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. We're back with another bonus episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we're sitting down with Owen Edgerton to talk about the new Netflix slash Bloomhouse collaboration that's on your Netflix right now. You should be listening and watching it right now. (laughs) Mercy Black. Uh, So, Owen, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my feelings on Mercy Black real quick. Oh, okay. All right. I'm I'm, Let me prepare myself. Strap in. All right. So. So my my knowledge of you is Doug loves movies and doing like the Master Pancake stuff and and I know that you've directed horror films but I know you as a as a funny guy as a comedian guy. Yeah. So I get the email telling me what the movie's about and it talks about this girl being traumatized by an imaginary creation from her childhood and my thought process was holy shit, he made a horror version of Drop Dead Fred. (laughs) And I was was real excited because I'm like, oh, that's a great premise for like a horror comedy. That is a great premise. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So then I start watching it and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, and you made the Slender Man movie that we've deserved for the last like two years is what you've made. Thanks. (laughs) Like this movie is so fucking good. Am I wrong in assuming that Slenderman was like part of the inspiration for Mercy Black? Oh, no, no, you're totally right on. Um, you know, uh, basically, you know, so a couple of years back, I was trying to make my first directing uh, horror film, a, a movie based on some of my short stories called 
follow. And uh, like making any indie film, it, it was you know hitting uh, snags along the way, and I, I was getting frustrated, and I, I didn't know what to do. And at some point at a party, a friend of mine started telling me about Slenderman, and this was I guess it must have been 2014 or 15, and I was like, I don't what is this? And I started just diving into all, all you know, those, that, those deep, dark tunnels that you can uh, uh, about creepypasta and all that. And it really got me sort of thinking, I, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with uh, how humans believe stuff. I, I, I love our ability to believe um, even things that, you know, that we know do not be true, that we kind of enjoy believing, including horror movies. Like I love being terrified in a horror movie, though, Intellectually, I know that monster on the screen is just an actor. Uh, I'm okay, but I I love believing what I know to not be true, and that's I think true of us when it comes to like religion sometimes, and when it comes to uh, folklore. So that really got me excited, and then I started reading more and more also about kids who perform violent crimes, specifically young girls who do. And that led me to some other stories and some other um, true crimes. And I kind of melded a bunch of these together to uh, come up with a story that became Mercy Black. And what I love about Mercy Black is that it's it's a really decent, like it's a good slow burn character study. Even when you remove any of the horror and the supernatural aspect of it, the concept of someone not realizing that they're famous for a terrible thing is such a captivating story idea. Yeah. Isn't that a terrifying? Um, I, yeah, I find that whole aspect really scary. Um, and I appreciate you saying that, you know, one of the things Jason, Jason Blum said pretty early on about his approach to, to horror movies when we we're discussing this one, he said, you know, if you can take a, a movie and you remove all the scares and you remove all the special effects and you remove everything that would make it quote unquote a horror movie and you still have what turns out is, is an interesting and captivating drama, then you're moving in the right direction. Uh, and I, so I appreciate you saying that. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to say too much about the movie itself because I, I really think it's, you know, I went in mostly blind and I think that that really built up the appreciation. But I will say my favorite scene in the movie is early on and it's that conversation between our main character and her sister's boyfriend where yeah. where you realize that she has no clue that like she didn't just commit some small town crime. She committed something that is all over the internet she might not even know what the internet necessarily is depending on the time periods that we're right. looking at and i found that like that was just where i where all of a sudden this movie went from like okay this is off to a good start to like okay i'm yeah. on board i'm ready for this ride cool uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> telling all of the listeners go check out mercy black but in in the sake of not spoiling any of the twists and turns Oh, and what's your history with horror? Like, what was the movie that got you just addicted to this genre that we all love so much? Man, that's a great question. Okay, I, it's going to be three different movies, I think. Gosh, right, man, the, I'll, the, I'll like, the movie that got, got me... <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to remember the... Like, I remember very early on, like, The Shining played on television and my parents watched it. And uh, I convinced them to let me watch it with them. And that was terrifying. <laughs> and even more terrifying was my dad trying to calm me down and explain, it's not scary. It's okay. Only, only that one man dies and he was a little older. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that just made it scarier. Um, but I, I also remember 
as a kid, you know, catching black and white horror movies on TV after my parents went to sleep, uh, including The Fly, um, Vincent Price, you know, that yeah. that scared me um, so much. And I remember one night, even more so, watching Night of the Living Dead. Okay. And the, the, the scenes, uh, especially when the young girl in the basement uh, it resurrects and, and murders a family, that terrified the hell out of me. And I remember thinking, I shouldn't be allowed to be watching this. I, I should stop. This is this is scary. Uh, this is wrong. And that's made it so right. Uh, and that's, I think, what started me right there. I was like, I love this. This excites me in a way that no other, no other genre does. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I was actually afraid to watch horror movies. I was terrified. So I would go to the library and rent um, the Crestwood monster books out yeah. of the... And like now I'm on a mission to collect them all, which is not easy because they're very rare and cost too much on eBay. <laughs> but like they were these fascinating, just like these hard cover red, red uh, book with it had King Kong on the back of it. And it would be like Dracula, the House of Frankenstein, the oh. Deadly Mantis. And it was just these oh. collections of books about those old 50s horror films. I would just gobble them up i needed to know everything about those old movies and that was like my safe spot like i stuck with like universal for so long love like monster squad and stuff mm. like that that was like safe and then my cousin made me watch scream and it was like all bets were off it. Uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> but so i have had this theory and i think you're the perfect person to to pitch this theory to but i think in the last year or so We've been seeing this rise in comedic actors and comedic writers becoming some of the biggest horror icons as far as writing and directing go. Do you think that there's a correlation between setting up a joke for a good punchline and setting up a film with a good scare? I That is a... Totally right. I, I completely agree with you. I, I've been noticing that as well. Of course, you know, with Halloween, the, the Halloween reboot or not reboot, uh, uh, I guess uh, the Blumhouse Halloween. Yeah, pseudo sequel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been seeing that too. And I think you're, and, and Jordan Peele, of course, um, I think there is this idea of uh, set up, set up, set up, um, create expectation and then subvert expectation, which is a part of any kind of good narrative, in my opinion, uh, but is so much more a part of the rhythm of comedy and the rhythm of horror. And uh, I think it's why you see both of them. I, there's something between horror and comedy are, are, are close cousins. Um, both of them are the, the only genres where we are asking an audience to make an uncontrolled audible response. You know, and <laughs> you, you want people to make a guttural like, or a laugh um, because of what they see. Uh, there's nothing like that. Uh, there's, it's also why it's just so fun to watch with a crowd. And in that way, like we love to be sitting together and find ourselves <laughs> surprised enough by uh, either a joke or an idea or a scare uh, that makes sense uh, that it, it moves us to noise. Uh, and I think that's another reason those two uh, those two genres are so close. Well, and like I can't speak for everybody, but I know for myself when I go when it's October and it's the best time of the year because there's all those haunted attractions. Like 
I get that scare and then I'm just smiling and laughing immediately afterwards. Like there's such a joyful release in being scared. Oh my gosh. I'm with you. Uh, like watching the, the film, we, we had a early screening, uh, in which we invited a bunch of people, uh, uh, cast and, uh, family and friends. And we, we did a screening at the Alamo draft house here in Austin, Texas. And, uh, listening to people do exactly that like <gasps> gasp or scream and then beat laugh and it's not laughing because they think something's funny it's because their body surprised them that release is one of my favorite things i i love when that happens to me and i love it when it happens to an audience and i think that that's part of the reason why you know talk about something like hereditary last year as much as i loved hereditary i can't watch it because there isn't any joyful release for two straight hours. <laughs> like it's just heavy tension. And I think mercy black has that nice, like there's that tension, there's that scare, there's that pacing, but there's, there's still always like this element of like playfulness yeah. in it <laughs> versus okay. just like absolute heartbreaking depression <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny when, when we were talking about that, you asked the, the horror movies that uh, got me addicted to horror. And I mentioned, you know, fly and, uh, Oh, I guess I mentioned the shining as well, but another one that I, I, I really love is Halloween four. <laughs> My co-host is going to lose his shit that you said that. That is his favorite Halloween movie of all time. Well, I love it. I have a poster signed by the writer Alan McRoy. Uh, I, I, we, the Alamo Draft House bought a reel so I could host a yearly screening of it um, that I did for a number of years. I, I just, I love that movie so much, and and partially it's because of what you're saying is like, I, I love. It, it is a sweet spot of horror for me. I mean, Hereditary is amazing, and I, I thought it was a fantastic uh, movie, and I applaud it. Um, but there is something for me that I, I love. I love some of those movies that happened in the 80s that just are a certain kind of um, popcorn horror that, that really thrill me. Yeah, I've always said that, like, I'm that person who, while I appreciate The Shining, I'll choose to watch, like, Killer Clowns from Outer Space ten times more than I'll watch The Shining. Um, <laughs> but Halloween 4, I've argued on this show, has, of all of the Halloween movies, the opening of Halloween just feels the most, or of Halloween 4, feels the most like Halloween of my memories. Oh, gosh, like, yeah, right, with all the shots of the decorations and the yeah, pumpkins and the field. perfect. Yeah. Love it. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, Halloween's definitely one of those. I, I love the idea of all of those franchises. You know, you've got Halloween and the Nightmare and Friday the 13th, which raises the question of, do you see a franchise for Mercy Black, or do you want this to be a one-off? Uh, you know, I... I'm, you know, I guess maybe being a kid of the eighties and, 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 but you know, even the old universal movies, I love franchises. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I dig it. I know some people are like, Oh, why do they uh, dilute from going from the original? Uh, but I'm like, go for it. Yeah. Let's, I, I have a blast with those. I, I think it would be a blast to make more mercy black movies. Um, the, the kid who plays, uh, uh, Bryce in the film, Bryce Hess, uh, Miles Emmons, a really talented young actor. He he came up to me and has has decided on several plots as possibilities for <laughs> for Mercy Black too. So trying, um, trying to get that co writing credit, <laughs> exactly, or a producing credit. I'm not sure what he's going for, but <laughs> but he's talented enough. He'll probably get all of the above. Yeah, I just feel like, and I hear you with the people who complain about franchises. I I had a thought the other day where like, 
people complaining about remakes is kind of one of the most boring opinions that someone can have to me anymore (laughs) because there's so many good ones and if you're going to just write them off because it's a remake like there's I hate the argument that there's nothing original because we've seen so many in the last couple of years where they do something totally original right. with the original map that they yeah. were given. Yeah. So uh, I, I hear you. I, I have no problem with the sequels. I have no problem with those remakes. And you know what? If you want to send Mercy Black into outer space by part four, like I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's something, I mean, probably more so, maybe superhero genre kind of falls into this a little bit. No, it definitely does. But in horror, I love the fact that we're dealing with stuff that is so rich in mythos, like in yeah. mythological thinking. Um, so we create these iconic uh, creatures and figures that, you know, my, my young 10-year-old knows what Freddy looks like. He's never seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but he knows who Freddy is uh, because it's sort of an iconic aspect to this creature we built and and the world and mythos that builds around them so why not have fun explore why not tell more of those stories um i i think it's it's a fun world to be playing in and it makes me you know freddie's a great example because a lot of the time when i was watching mercy black one of the movies that kept coming up in my head was west craven's new nightmare which mm. does such a great job of painting this picture of how we are creating these modern day this modern day folklore and you know once we put it out there we lose all control of it i mean like once it's in the public eye you know you have as much as you are the creator of mercy black you don't really have any control of what happens to that character now that it's out there on like you know does he end up on in in you know parades like babadook for no explainable reason or like you know like it is now off to the races for what the fans decide happens with that character. And that's also kind of cool because now you've, whether you like it or not, create, created a legacy right then and there. Yeah, I, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was talking to someone earlier today, and as you know, uh, Mercy Black is uh, was made by, uh, you know, Divide and Conquer and Blumhouse and is on Netflix, but also is a universal film. So, uh, you know, technically... Mercy Black, she's a uh, a universal monster, yeah, uh, and that, that's you know that's pretty good company. Frankenstein and uh, Wolfman and woo. Can you make Abbott and Costello meet Mercy Black? Because <laughs> I'll watch the shit out of it. <laughs> uh, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> uh, so. What is the plan beyond Netflix? Are we going to get an eventual DVD Blu-ray with some special features for Mercy Black, or is it going to stay strictly streaming for now? You know, that's that that is up to people with a higher pay grade than me. Um, okay, I, so I'm I'm hoping I you know I'm a I'm a sucker for physical media, so uh, it, you know put it put it in a pretty cool. Uh, Blu-ray case uh, and give me some extras and and, and I'll buy it. Uh, so yeah. I'm hoping that's the case, uh, but we'll we'll see. Uh, right now, what we're just excited about is uh, that it's out in the world. Uh, you know, they that the people are watching it and and excited about it and talking about it, and uh, it's it's giving people some thrills. That that is more fun than I can describe. Yeah, I was gonna. So what's you know. What's your perspective so far? The first 24 hours that it's been out, like, have you, as you've been following hashtags and people tweeting about it, has it 
seemed mostly positive or like how are you feeling about the reaction thus far the reaction has been really positive which has been a thrill uh i think the first review i opened up you know when when they dropped it and the press started talking about it i opened up the uh la times and the la times had reviewed it and i was like oh okay this is a big one what are they gonna think and the headline started with don't watch mercy black and i was like oh oh no oh they didn't like it and then i read the rest of the headline which is right before going to bed (laughs) it it was a great review just sort of saying how chilling and scary and fun it is uh and uh and and warning people not to watch it right before going to bed because it'll give them nightmares i was like oh good we want to give them nightmares (laughs) dear la times thank you for your great review please don't start your headlines with don't watch my movie anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that was the scariest moment for me right there (laughs) so I'm sure you've got some other ideas in your back pocket. I don't want to dig into the bag of ideas, but where can people follow you to see what's next after Mercy Black? Let's see. I mean, uh, Twitter is probably the one of the best places. Uh, I'm at O-N-O-W-E-N underscore Edgerton, E-G-E-R-T-O-N. And then I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, move on to the next film. All right. Well, uh, after watching Mercy Black, I'm excited to see where this whole career goes as well. So thank you so much for spending some time. Guys, go and check out the movie if you haven't yet. This is already like right behind us for my favorite horror film of the year. So I'm very, very excited about this. I really that's good company to be in. I appreciate that. And, you know, as far as like uh, on on Twitter and all those other places, I love hearing what people are thinking. Uh, So if, if you've got a thought on the on the movie, Unless it's just really mean. <laughs> let, <laughs> let me know, because that, that's exciting. All right, you heard him. Let him know your thoughts as long as they're not hyper mean. <laughs> <laughs> A little mean's okay. Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.